Rusev Day. What's going on, Buster Nuts? Please excuse my uh, destroyed voice and nasal and everything that's in my head in this week's podcast episode. Mainly because, you know, I was sick about two weeks ago and then I raced to get better so that I could go on a three-day trip to Vegas. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Which was a great trip. The wedding was awesome. But in that trip, I just destroyed myself all over again. A lot of whiskey, a lot of gambling, not much sleeping, all in the name of a good time. And it was that. It was an absolutely great time. You know, I even, on the last day, so the wedding day was on Saturday. I got there Thursday. But I'd done two days of going so hard that on wedding day, and I knew that the reception was going to get wild, so I was like, you know, I'm not doing shit today. And I didn't. I spent my entire Saturday in Vegas, in bed, watching what else? But Casino. It happened to be on VH1. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. And I laid up and I ordered room service. By the way, room service at the win, that's, that's some expensive shit. I got drunk on Thursday night. I ordered chicken fingers and fries. Any guesses as to how much it was? Nope. More. $64 for chicken fingers. And then I was so hungover on Saturday that I didn't want to move. I didn't want to get up and go get anything. So I was like, listen, man, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to get another order of room service. I got toast and a smoothie. $39. (laughs) It's all right, though. It was worth it. But I'm back. I'm alive. Sort of. I've got some really big news coming up in my life that I'm not going to share this week, but um, just know that if you do care, I'm bringing the heat in the coming weeks. I might even let you know next week, as soon as some of this legal shit gets out of the way. But that won't change anything about this podcast. You know, we're just a few weeks in now. I've enjoyed the progress. We're available on all streaming platforms. It's only going to grow. This show will grow in length. (laughs) Grow in length. It'll grow in content, grow in interviews, and one of my favorite topics to cover here on Buster's World is the wonderful land of pro wrestling. Mainly WWE, but I'm not limited to WWE. It's just my exposure to any of the New Japan stuff or the Ring of Honor stuff has been limited. As I get deeper and deeper into the game, though, I've started to dive into things like that Ring of Honor Supercard over the weekend. I've watched some clips, and holy shit. Also, I don't know if you're familiar with the bad boy Joey Janela. This is a dude who I got to get contact with when I was working in Philadelphia. He's ba- he's from Jersey, and I've kept up with his career. And, I mean, talk about a guy who's got nothing but a rocket ship on his back. I cannot wait till we see him in the big picture. I'll spend a little bit of time on the NXT show. I did watch the TakeOver, and I don't think that I'm in a minority at all when I say that that uh, six-man North American title match is easily a contender for match of the year and easily a contender for one of the greatest ladder matches I've ever seen. I mean, from the first, like, 30 seconds when Ricochet (laughs) does what Ricochet does and hits that dive, I was like, yes, I'm in. Also, can I pause to say how much I love the North American Championship? It's beautiful. It looks so old school, you know, with the brownish red leather, the wide plates. I just looking at it, I just picture Arn Anderson, and I don't know why. And the fact that it was wrapped around Adam Cole on a night of growth for the Undisputed Era, doesn't it kind of feel horsemanish? I just, I mean, if you've listened over the last couple weeks, you know I'm kind of a sucker for factions and for the gang warfare in pro wrestling. I just enjoy it. I think it gives strength to lesser known guys. 
and then whoever the leader is, it only makes them that much more greater into the main event picture, right? So my main highlight, to be honest with you, walking away from TakeOver is everything Adam Cole. The fact that he won that match was fantastic. And then how the Undisputed Era retained the tag titles with Roderick Strong going heel on Pete Dunne, which... By the way, Pete Dunne holds another title that I just can't stop looking at. That UK belt is great. So, enough sucking off Adam Cole and how great the Undisputed Era looked coming out of TakeOver. Let's get to Mania, baby. The World Wrestling Federation proudly presents WrestleMania! Woken Matt Hardy taking the Andre the Giant trophy home. That was a good look. I mean, I know I mentioned in the past how this doesn't really mean anything. And maybe it's possible that somebody like Matt Hardy, of all people, you know, even the next night on Raw championing it the way he had. And the fact that that win solidified him and Bray Wyatt as a tag team might put some meaning into it. So I'm I'm down with that. I'm also down with Matt and Jeff. Not I, I'm glad that they didn't turn their backs on each other, but I'm glad that they're not the Hardy boys right now. And not to say we can't go back to that and not to say that Jeff Hardy can't be Brother Nero, but we need to watch Jeff Hardy do some Jeff Hardy shit for a little bit. And we need to see the full potential of Woken Matt Hardy, right? And now the team of him and Bray Wyatt, that's something Bray Wyatt needed because God damn, has he just had such a rough run. Even though... I will say that he does have a strong enough character that even though he's put over so many guys over the years and every storyline has come to a screeching halt with him, he's still relevant. So I'm ready for them two together. Moving on to the first ever WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Not the fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. I just don't, I don't know, Naomi. Eh, eh. Uh, it was pretty good. I, I didn't feel the same way I felt at the Women's Royal Rumble, but I didn't really expect to either. I expected a lighter version of it. So I guess I'm okay with what they put in front of us there. I don't know if you noticed, but we got a This Is Awesome out of the crowd for a 205 Live match. What up, son? What's up, happening? It's going down. What's uh, happening? Did you catch what I just said there? What's uh, happening? English? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I I try not to dissect too much of what you motherfuckers say. (laughs) You know, I just run with it. Because it's like, oh, that's what they're doing. That's cool. Good call. Good call. I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Sorry for the interruption. Sometimes people feel comfortable just running in the studio, which I'm good with, man. I like that kind of environment. The only problem is I just let out a rank fart that my buddy Rican just kind of walked into. He didn't mention anything, but there's no way he didn't smell that. Oh, well. Anyways, the 205 Live match was great. Cedric Alexander take. I really didn't care who won. I just wanted to see a good match. I wanted to see these boys get the cruiserweight on. I thought Mustafa Ali's Sub-Zero gear was dope. Thumbs up. Let's get off this kickoff show bullshit and get to the real deal. I did not see The Miz retaining, and I didn't know whether it was going to go the way of Seth or Finn, even though I put my prediction on Finn, and I was dead-ass wrong. Which, by the way, I was wrong about a lot of stuff. If you want to go back and fact-check me of what I was thinking was going to happen at Mania, woo! they keep us guessing, right? I love the intro. The, what, what was that? The 3D hologram shit they did with The Miz's entrance? And I couldn't tell if that was just on TV or if people there got to actually see that. But that was pretty cool. And speak about entrances, this is exactly when I felt like 
Finn Balor's not going to win the IC title was right when he walked out and he was not Demon Balor. I was like, oh, no. He's regular Finn Balor? I, I, at that point, I was like, eh, I don't think that's going to happen here. But we did see some good spots. You know, Finn looked like Finn out there. I love that Seth Rollins has brought back the stomp. And he was stomping all over that match. He And he looked great and kicking off Mania with a title change, putting it in Seth Rollins' hands. That's never going to lead you down the wrong path. However, I did have a moment where I was like, wow, Seth Rollins is in the first match. Hmm. He should be in the last match. But he's had his moments and he'll have his moments again. So I'm very excited for his Intercontinental run. Another triple threat match, the triple threat tag match. Now, this is a trend that I I started to notice was going on all night. Anytime you have more than two competitors in the ring, WWE has kind of taken this approach of kind of incapacitating some of the guys so that they get a break while we can focus on, you know, not so many people at one time. I don't know. I mean, I get why they do it. You know, at first, I, I hated it. I was like, you know... I liked it when you had to go back and watch a Royal Rumble match a couple times just to catch everything. And then more recently, I've gone back and watched some of those old Rumble matches. And I've been like, yeah, this is kind of tough to keep track of. So I kind of get why they do it. It just kind of loses continuity to me because, oh, so this guy got knocked out by a drop kick. And he's not going to get up at all until it's time for him to get back in the ring. It's a little too... ah. And this triple threat tag match was not one of my favorite matches of the night. To be honest with you, I would have, and I said this before, I would rather just watch the Usos and New Day again. Give me that again. Because I don't give a fuck about the Bludgeon Brothers. Not even close. I don't buy it. It's tough for me to, like, so wait, are they still Wyatts or not? Obviously not. But, like, you're not going to sell me on the fact that they're this unstoppable Brock Lesnar-esque monster beast duo because I know they're not. I've already, you've exposed them before, so I'm not going to forget all that. And why? Because they carry hammers now? I get why they won. I understand it's a push. We're trying to make them look strong, but Usos, baby. Usos. Plus, the new days with the pancake worm. (laughs) That was pretty good stuff. Alexa and Nia Jax. Fantastic job. And it also showed Nia's badassery from the jump. You know, the fact that she just started whipping Mickey around immediately and then Alexa hit her on the back and it didn't phase her. I love that they didn't let Alexa take over from there. At that point, she's chasing her around the ring. It was good. It was a good win. Nia looked strong. I I was a little at the end. It's like, okay, I get it. The commentators were told that we really got to sell this bully angle, but it was like they even kind of fucked that up. Coach fucked up a lot at Mania, a lot. And thank God for Corey Graves. Talk about someone who, you know, I'm not glad that he was injured by any means, and I'm not, and I'm sure we would have enjoyed Corey Graves on the main roster, but I would not want to be void of him on the headset. Both shows, he sounds so strong. You know, he's not letting whoever up for air. If you screw up, Corey Graves is going to call you on it. It's good. Keep the bar high. Plus, Coach sounded like an idiot when it was like, Forever, for anyone that has ever been bullied, for anybody that's ever been called a rotten name, for anybody that's ever not felt good Coach, about let themselves. Let me call these replays because they were awesome. From the second rope, all of those words that Alexa Bliss spewed about Nia Jax came back to haunt the goddess. A monstrous Samoan drop. Thank God 
There was a little mercy hat on the goddess after the three count. For anybody that's ever been body shamed, for anybody that's ever been told, and there's Nia Jax. Look at this. Hugging her on that you're not good enough. The mother of the Rock, Nana, and of course the Rock's daughter, Nia Jax, here at ringside celebrating with her family. Moving back to the tag matches. Where do we want to go? I mean, I got a couple good ones here. Let's talk about Ronda freaking Rousey. Yes! How good did she look? She's still got to work on some of the wrestler stuff. You know, she's still got to... She's got to work on that entrance, you know? And it's not the smiling that I'm bothered about anymore. It's more so just the... I don't know, it just seems kind of light. You know, come out with some drive, you know? Don't just come out like you're at a meet and greet. And I dug the whole little slutty Roddy Piper... Halloween costume. That was cool. But I just don't know if it's something she should run with permanently. I mean, her gear in general, she needed to, someone needed to tell her like, hey man, this stuff is a little too small. And you know, your titties are popping out. She had to readjust that 17 times, her shorts. It was just like, it was a little distracting that she kept having to readjust. And I'm sure everyone in the back noticed that too. So, you know, that's something that we'll see adjusted probably over time. All that aside, how great did she look once she finally got in that ring? And how good is Triple H, man? Talk about a guy who had a job that night. He had to put over his wife, who had never wrestled at WrestleMania before and had barely wrestled really in general. Kurt Angle, who's 90 years old and, you know, half fried, who still looks good in the ring, but, you know, he's not at his peak condition and then ronda rousey who's never been in a wrestling match and when she started boxing him into the corner and then put him in the arm bar i thought for a second i was like there's no way they're gonna have triple h tap out to her no way no way but she did a great job of holding his ass in there and they looked so good i thought stephanie got the beating that she deserved and that match i think recalibrated where everybody's opinion is on ronda rousey at least in wwe Although, it was interesting because while I was in Vegas over the weekend... Vegas, baby! Vegas! I was talking to a couple girls at the reception. You know, me. Hey. We got to talking about wrestling, and they asked me who are some of the biggest female names that are in the game, and I mentioned how Ronda Rousey is now in WWE, and one of the girls was like, really? What a tremendous step down for her. I'm like, How? She's going to make more money than she's ever made in UFC. And I'd also like to challenge that girl on how many UFC Ronda Rousey matches she watched. So, I mean, like, is it really that much of a step down? Because did you care that much before? A bummer of a match. And this is another one where I was way off. Jinder Mahal. I mean, Rusev, aside from the fact of how over Rusev is... Aside from the fact of how legendary Randy Orton will always be. Aside from the fact of the momentum that Bobby Roode has right now. He let Jinder Mahal win another championship? And I get the concept of if you hate Jinder so much, you'll pay to watch him get beat. I understand that, but I don't necessarily buy into it. Because I just kind of tune the matches out when he's in there. When he had the belt, I was like, okay. And when AJ Styles took it, I wasn't so happy that Jinder got beat. I was just happy that he didn't have the belt and that he was no longer a part of the story. I don't think that I don't like him because he's such a good heel. I don't think that's the case. I just don't care about it. And the fact that Rusev lost on Rusev Day? Well, that seems sacrilege to me. 
Which, by the way, it was just announced that Rusev and The Undertaker will be going head-to-head in a casket match at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Wowee, wowee, wow. And I kind of wanted to do these together because I don't like to complain a lot when I talk about watching wrestling because I love it so much. So I don't want to sit here and, and just bitch. So I'll focus on the good stuff after I get past this Undertaker match. What a bunch of fucking bullshit. It's sad, man. He's starting to look real sad. He's hella old. The match took five seconds. Elias took some... Elias was good when he walked out. I liked how they interrupted it. I thought that was great. Everybody was expecting Taker. And then here he come, And then here comes Elias. I thought that was cool. But two nights in a row between Mania and Raw. And we'll get to Raw in a minute. But we just watched Elias get squashed. I'm like, eh, stop doing that to him. He's clearly got some fans. We don't need to watch him get his ass beat every week. And then speak about continuity, I had a big problem with Undertaker squashing Cena. Because he didn't squash Roman Reigns. The Roman Reigns match, that was a real match. The Cena one, it's like, okay. He goes up to the top rope. And then when he gave him the tombstone. Did you see Cena just got like a mouth loaded dick? What was that about? That was weird. But I was bummed out. And I didn't even, I thought for sure we were going to get American Badass Undertaker. Although I did like the touch where his stuff was left in the ring and then it was gone. The little lightning bolts and shit. Yeah, it was okay. But I'm just glad it was quick, to be honest. All right, enough of me bitching. I told you that it was a potential show stealer. And that's exactly what it was when Charlotte and Asuka went head to head. I also, that was one I did get right. I didn't think that Asuka was going to beat Charlotte. Charlotte won that clean in the ring, hit her with the figure eight, and the drama with each close call. Charlotte's moonsault getting countered into a triangle choke. Woo hoo hoo! I didn't even, at that point, I was like, yo, if Charlotte loses here, this is still pretty cool. And I'm not certain that the figure eight has had that many people break out of it. I'd like to actually know the number. Obviously, that just adds to the equity of that move, especially when she took down undefeated Asuka. Like, come on. That was how Asuka needed to be beat. And at one point, I'm I'm not lying to you because obviously we got this payoff later. But when they were doing the whole respect each other bullshit at the end of the match, I thought for a second Asuka was going to turn heel at that moment. And she didn't, and that was cool. Another highlight of WrestleMania moments. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was money in the bank from the start. When Braun Strowman comes out and terrorizes all those Mardi Gras characters. When Braun Strowman comes out and terrorizes all of those Mardi Gras characters. And you see him running around, (laughs) panicking, knocking the float off the stage. That was everything we want to see from Braun Strowman. And then it wasn't over there. Everybody who's anybody was absolutely wrong in their guess of who was going to be Braun Strowman's partner because there's no way anybody could could have predicted that he was going to pick a 10-year-old. Watching Nicholas get tagged into the ring and staring down Cesaro, that was good stuff. And I didn't need crazy spots in that match. You already got me. You got me with the Mardi Gras characters. You got me with the fact that he picked a fourth grader to be his partner. And then all I needed to see was Braun wreck everything. And then (laughs) him and Nicholas holding those tag belts up uh, and Nicholas could barely hold his end. It was perfect. It was everything it needed to be. Now let's, uh, let's get Cesaro out of the bar, okay? Let's... 
Let's get him really going again. That's my opinion. It doesn't look like it, that that's what's going to happen, but I feel like if they continue making these two the buffoons that they've cut him out to be, we're going to get pretty close to that Rhino Heath Slater territory, and that's not where Cesaro needs to be. But Nicholas is the man. Couple more buffoons, KO and Sami Zayn. I was absolutely wrong in... It wasn't really a prediction. I I wasn't certain that it was going to happen, but I was excited to see if Daniel Bryan was going to turn heel and join his two buddies. And they they obviously didn't go down that road. Plus, man, Shane was looking rough. Notice we didn't catch him jumping off anything. That boy is absolutely hurt. But Daniel Bryan gave us everything we were looking for from him. Jumping from corner to corner. Even after he was able to shake off that sneak attack from KO and Sammy. That was good too. I wasn't necessarily expecting to be blown away by this match. I think we just wanted to see Daniel Bryan be Daniel Bryan. And I think that's what we got. I'm going to go out of order again here. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. While it wasn't the greatest match in the world, it, to me, was a great chapter in the story of Brock Lesnar. Watching him bust Roman's face open. Watching him pummel him. Watching him whip him through a table. Watching him hit him with another F5. The fact that nobody got what they didn't want, which was Roman grabbing that belt off of Brock Lesnar, and everybody was shocked that Brock actually retained it. I mean, his deal was done. Which they've they've done that before, too. But... I still didn't see it coming. And it makes that universal title that much more synonymous with Brock Lesnar with an unattainable championship. I'm all about it. Does it take away some of its relevancy when it's not around? Yes. But that's only now. Like, the book is not written yet. Because when someone finally does take that off Brock Lesnar's hands, how huge are they going to look? And who's that going to be? Rusev. (laughs) I don't know. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura was the match that everybody thought it was going to be. Filled with the great kicks. Filled with the drama that only those two can provide. I did call that AJ was going to hang on to it. It just felt right to me. Plus, that kind of adds into the equity of AJ Styles as champion. I don't. He he hasn't lost it since he took it from Jinder, right? I could be wrong about that, but in my eyes, he is a true champion. And he should be the guy, at least for right now. And then when Nakamura gave me what I thought might have was going to happen earlier with Asuka, but I also, the second he dropped to his knee, I was like, this is a little strange. Why is he hitting him with like a proposal here? Wait a minute. Is he going to hit him in the nuts? Bam! Hit him in the nuts! (laughs) And then just the continuous face stomping. Oh! First off, that looked like it hurt. Second... Yes! I love heel Nakamura. I loved it even more on SmackDown when he talked to Renee, played up the whole me no speak of English with the disingenuous apology. Oh, Nakamura giving me everything I'm looking for there, guys. We also know that there's going to be more AJ versus Shinsuke Nakamura. This is going to go for a little while. This could be one of those great, great rivalries. We could see them go the distance. Let's take this all the way to SummerSlam. Let's take this to next year's Mania. I'm down. It's like the Usos in New Day. It's phenomenal. Let them keep going. Excuse the phenomenal pun there. All in all, guys, WrestleMania 34 was beautiful. You've watched a lot of wrestling this week. It's been a long one. Starting from 
the Hall of Fame, to the TakeOver, to Mania, to Raw, to SmackDown. Shit, NXT is tonight. I'm like, can I do any more? But we all know the answer to that question.